Okay, welcome back to another episode of 168. We love the 2010s editions. Woo! This, uh, the woo, sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut off the celebration. It was like a it's slow, a party. it was slow <laughs> down, my bad. And it needs to be concise. Woo! There, there you, go. you go, thank you. So this week we're going to cover some of the um, dumpster fires in America that um, have highlighted this decade. There's been quite a few, so... I think we should probably just uh, jump right in. Jump right into <laughs> it. Okay, so the first one is um, the deaths of Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown and the sparking of the Black Lives Matter movement and how that changed the landscape of America from 2010 to today. Man. Sigh. Yeah. That's a sad time. It is. It definitely was like, I don't even think I was really in America. I was in Ecuador for a lot of it. So I was like watching mm. it from afar and like dealing with it on my own a little bit and like being on social media a lot. Yeah. Um, but I was really interested to see how Black Lives Matter has actually affected policing. And they're another sad thing. It hasn't really changed a lot. There's not a lot mm. of statistics on it. Um, so I pulled up some statistics Stats, stats, give me the stats. I pulled up some numbers. <laughs> um, and it seemed like the number of people killed by police in America, it peaked in 2015. So this is two years after the protests Jesus. really started and one year before um, he who shall not be named was elected. But generally, um, the number of black people being killed by police is going down, but it's not by a lot. It's like, it's decreased maybe by... 50 a year or so generally it was 286 in 2013 and now it's 260 and it peaked in 2015 with 339 people killed wow. black people killed by police um so it's still quite a lot yeah um and i think that's just because of the pushback so when you do a research if you type into google like police killings um, the first statistics that come up are police getting killed. And there's mm. been like a whole bunch of articles about the war against police because oh, of propaganda Jesus. and like, you know, pushing, pushing back against Black Lives Matter. Sign that I saw Queen and Slim on Thursday. What'd you think? Jesus. Now I, I understand your tweet about the protest scene was totally unnecessary. Cause I was like, you could have just had the sex scene in there. Sorry. Spoiler alert. You could have just done the beautiful sex scene with the, the crazy jazz music you did not have to send that deranged boy there to shoot a black police officer in the head and then show the... I don't... I didn't... I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I know it. some people liked it, but it was jarring. And and second of all, it didn't make sense to me. Like, I know fiction doesn't have to make sense or whatever, but when you're using a film to examine how black people work, how, how we work under police oppression in America. That's something that doesn't really, really ever happen. <laughs> like there have been police killings that have been deliberate, like Dallas, remember the sniper? Oh, yeah. But like walking up to a police officer in the street, holding a gun, I'm sorry, this is such a spoiler. I'm sorry. <laughs> holding a gun up to him and then first of all not getting shot or taken down in any way. Right. And the officer like still being really calm. He's like, "Oh man, just go home." You know what I'm saying? Just go home. <laughs> can settle this all like there's no way that would happen and the radicalization is like it seems like it only it doesn't work that way for black people like mm. we can be radicalized but 
it doesn't get to that point. We'll go into the streets with guns to protect ourselves, but we're not ever the ones going up to shoot up a police department. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't work the same for yeah. us. So. It just left a bad taste in my mouth after that because I felt like what it meant for them and what it meant for when those things happen in the media and how things can be twisted, I feel like it was just trying to add extra flavor to something that could have been could have meant more if she just ended it the way that it ended yeah it was flavorful enough time. i mean yeah. the message was clear um <laughs> jesus so going off on that <laughs> police officer deaths have dropped three percent they dropped three percent in 2014 to 2015 so like in that time after the protest they dropped pretty dramatically they've dropped 49 percent since 1994 so a violent crime has dropped 49 percent since 19 since 1994 so that's probably why a lot of police shootings have the decrease in police shootings has happened in the first place because violent crime really isn't as big of a problem as it used to be. But they're still trying to amp up the idea that police shootings are a problem, you know, the whites. <laughs> um, and since 2013, confidence in police officers with white Americans has gone all the way back up to what it was before 2013. So I think wow. it's, it's like my trust in you has gone up. Yeah, I think 50%, 57%. So they had a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in the police. Um, so yeah, it's actually going up with them, which you can kind of tell by the way they call the police on every fucking body for every fucking thing because they feel like the police are on their side. Um, so you can actually see like that come to fruition. Um, and of course, a lot of the police reform that was in place or ch- like put in place unilaterally by President Obama, like via executive orders and things like that. And also like agreements with the um, attorney general and police departments across the nation, like Baltimore. I think Chicago had an agreement as well, where they were like kind of monitoring what the police departments were doing. Were undone by Jeff Sessions in 2017. Ugh. So yeah. Um, and additionally, it's like, when you think about Queen and Slim and kind of the reaction to making a movie about a police shooting, a police incident, and, like, black trauma, I think that a lot of black people and people of color are just kind of over the subject because it's been pretty traumatizing for, yeah. for a long time. Yeah, it's, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to see. It's hard to share videos. And, like, I think everyone's just kind of like, I don't have it in me to watch another person be harassed, killed, you know, beat down by police officers. Not right now. So, especially when you see the Trump administration and, and what we're dealing what with. we're dealing, what we're up against and how it hasn't changed, how it hasn't really budged. As a matter of fact, people have doubled down on their stances. Some people, of course, their minds have changed about policing and they've learned things, but it's not enough as, as far as the numbers go to really make a difference. Mm. So, but that's crazy that Black Lives Matter happened in this decade. Like, we were alive, and, like, that's, like, our young revolution, you know, that we got to see it unfold. I do remember being in Chicago this summer that they were about to read, like, the Mike Brown verdict, and everybody was getting calls from their parents, like, you know, stay inside, it's going to be dangerous. And I was out with, like, a group of white people, and they were like, I just don't really understand, like, what's so, like, what's the big deal or what's going to be so dangerous about it? Like, I kept telling my mom I'm going to be fine. And I was like, it is really dangerous. Like, people are really, really angry. Like, it's this is a really big deal. And I feel like just the disconnect between, yeah, like, why should I care? And everything else, I feel like that really sparked 
ooh, gosh, I felt like I was in the color of friendship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really, pol- it like showed you how polarized people are on the subject. Yeah. Because I think black people are always, you grow up like, you know, police and black people, we don't mix. Like, that's just a natural order of things. Yeah. So when it had to be talked about in the public forefront and it became like news every day, definitely showed people's true colors. Um, I remember like, this was 2015 in mm-hmm. law school when we put on... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Black Law Student Association put on like a demonstration of what happened in the trial of Darren Wilson, was the police officer who shot Michael Brown. And it was the grand jury trial. So whether or not he was going to be indicted, and he wasn't indicted. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, we, we, like, we um, reenacted it, and it was just so clear that the prosecutor did not want to bring any evidence that showed he would be indicted. Like he, the prosecutor, like as you learn in law school, can indict a ham sandwich. People love to say that. They can do anything they want. Like they can present whatever evidence at that point to show the grand jury that this person may have, they should be charged with something mm-hmm. at least and go to trial. Um, and he didn't do that. Like he was just like, you know, basically on the officer side the whole time. And it was like, some of the white people that were there, I think Darren Wilson's cousin actually went to my law school and she went. Oh, wow. And like, they were coming up to us like, wow, I didn't know this happened. Like, I just thought that they decided that he wasn't indicted. So like, there must've been real grounds for that. But like, no, there were not real grounds. They just didn't want it to happen. So it was like a really, I remember it being a really crazy time for like everything. Yeah. 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 Chaos. Same sex marriage legalization. Oh, wow. When did this... Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably your question. When did it happen? Yes. 2015. Jesus. Right? I feel like that should have happened in 2011. Like, I felt like we were so young when it happened, but we were actually old as hell. Yeah. And maybe because we were talking about it for so long and some states were legalizing it. Oh, that's true. But Illinois didn't legalize it till 2014. So I'm like, why did I think that? Probably because I, I wasn't trying to get married, but like, it still seemed like it had been longer than four years that it's been legal. Yeah. Wow. But that's it. And since that's happened and before that, you know, obviously movements around LGBTQIA um, identities have shaped how we talk about things and how we see sexuality and how we see gender in like a huge way because I've definitely learned a hell of a lot over the past 10 years about that like I okay I was 17 10 years ago wow I didn't know what it really meant to be transgender not at, at all. all um and people weren't even really talking about that no nope. in my world I think the only thing I had to go off of in general of just the LGBTQ community was through the mediums so just south of nowhere yeah um <laughs> and grassy like L word yeah you know? When you when you can sneak in the L word episode, but the L word is actually a lot of dialogue, and you have to pay attention to a lot. I was gonna start watching it. On, it's on Netflix now, but and I feel like they barely did any nudity for me to be up like trying to see something, and then mm. me not getting anything except Award. for just lots of dialogue. Yeah, it's probably good dialogue though. <laughs> I know, but I was really young. Tough. Like, where where's the naked people? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? HBO. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, else am I watching this premium ass channel? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So I feel I feel glad that 
we were able to, we were at the right age when all this happened. Like, I'm glad I'm not an old person that's like, I don't understand. Just, what do you mean you like boys and girls? Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's been, I have to like teach my parents kind of, but it's like, you know, it is hard to teach older people. Oh, my dad's very They just resign to it's too complicated. He's like, very far gone. Yeah. There's just certain things that we just let my dad sit in his misogyny about. And it's just, we're just not. My dad didn't. Yeah. It's just, we're not. We yeah. can't even tackle that fight. Yeah. <laughs> no. But yeah. Um, and what else? Oh, no. Uh, Same-sex marriage and marijuana. Oh, marijuana. Sorry. Oh, I just want to say, um, what's my other statistic about trans people dying and being disproportionately murdered? But I don't have it with me. Just know that it's happening and that's fucked up. So even though gay people have a lot more rights and lesbians and bi people, it's still very deadly and dangerous out here for non for non binary genders and trans people and, and things like that. Yeah. And to continue to educate your ignorant ass cousins and friends and brothers and sisters, shit like that. Yeah. I do wanna make more of an effort to be more aware and do more research rather than rely on other people to educate me. That is what I'm learning now. True that. Okay. Next up is marijuana legalization, what? which is also started in this decade and is now on its way to federal legalization. Um, so in 2014, the Rarabacher Far Amendment, I don't know why they named that that. Mm. <laughs> Mm. was signed into law um, and it stops the Justice Department, the U.S. Justice Department from interfering with the implementation of state medical cannabis laws. So after that states started to legalize at least medical weed um, and then went on to start to legalize recreational weed. It's still illegal federally obviously, but now Illinois is going to legalize it recreationally and become one of the other 15, 16 states. We're a two-step away from legal weed. Yep. Um... We're like, we don't know how to feel. <laughs> because it's a lot. It's it's different in every state, obviously, because there's no like federal way to do it, to yeah. legalize weed. So I think in Illinois, from the research I've done, there's going to be like 75 dispensaries that can be opened, one in each district, and then each um, county was able to vote whether or not they're going to sell. And so like a lot of the southern richer, states. more well-off, white counties like Naperville and (laughs) they all decided like we don't want that weeds in here you know so um it's gonna be different depending on where you go but you can have up to a fourth on your person without it being an illegal offense I think it's a fourth I don't want to send you off though I mean look at the bill (laughs) (laughs) read your rights and they're they're saying you can't smoke it in any public place like a street or a park or really anywhere besides your house and your balcony slash porch is debatable. According to Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> According to the police and Lori Lightfoot. So it's been decriminalized in Illinois for quite some time. And other places, it's been less of a big deal to lock people up for weed. But like in this, as early as, as early as 2018, this was last year, hemp was still um, one of the substances in the Control Substances Act. Like wow. low THC hemp. But now it's legalized nationwide. So it was... My parents and older people that I talk to still, like, have this notion that the weed is somehow, like, dangerous. Even though they, they hear all the statistics, like, <laughs> you can give them all the facts. Like, you can get a scientist in here to testify and say, you know, weed has never killed anyone. 
unlike lots of things. But my parents will still be like, you know, you're going to just be sitting there like a lump on a log. <laughs> like, <that laughs> like a lump like on a log. Like that from the, um, the dare. What is that? Dare or. Um, yeah, dare. Right? It's dare commercials? Yeah, like the Don't Do Drugs campaign. Yeah, yeah I don't dare. know if it's called dare, but then, you know, she's like flat on the couch. It's like Susie, remember? Wow. She was like all flattened and. And she, like, couldn't do anything. And they were like, don't be like Susie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really like, you know, if you're not going to do anything with your life, your weed was not the reason. The interesting thing is I'm kind of proud that all of the older people are being scared to use drugs after the whole crack epidemic. I feel like everybody's just like, what are you trying to give me? You never know what's in anything. So I'm kind of like, bravo, you shouldn't just smoke whatever. Yeah. Because you never know what the effects are. But at the same time, I'm like, y'all did, y'all lived through that. <laughs> and we're, and we're just, we're just trying, you know. Trying to get some regulation, you honestly. know. With more science on our side. Yeah. Like, there are more facts on our side to permit why it's logical to want to relax. Yes. And... Obviously, there are still huge missteps in the way that legalization is being carried out as far as how the benefits are disproportionately given to people that are rich and white and all have all the money to invest in marijuana dispensaries and companies and things like that. And the people who have been affected most by marijuana convictions and the war on drugs are still behind. Like, for instance, in Illinois, they were trying to remedy that by giving people in neighborhoods and I think... I think it's just neighborhoods. It's like geographically people who are most affected by the drug war a leg up on getting dispensaries. But for some reason, and I I haven't, I've read around, but I haven't seen a really good explanation for why they are allowing medical marijuana dispensaries to get their recreational licenses. If, you know, they already have a location and all that shit, it's going to be easy for them to get it. But the people that want to get dispensaries who are like, you know, waiting on these benefits do not know what the benefits will be until after the law is in effect. So they don't, they know they'll be able to get some sort of grant, but they don't know if they're going to be able to cover half the cost, all the costs, 10% of the cost, 5% of the cost. Like they have no idea. (laughs) And it costs $250,000 to get your license for a dispensary. Jesus. So still a little fucked up, but we're making slight moves in the marijuana tip. Another major thing that happened this decade was the Me Too movement. Oh, man. <laughs> Lay it on me, sister. Um, <laughs> there's kind of a lot. But first, I wanted to talk about generally what your ideas were about women's rights in 2010 versus now. Women's rights and also like sexual violence and stuff like that. Mm, I feel like in 2010, I thought... I feel like I was naive, but I wasn't stupid to that sexual assault happens because great shows like Degrassi have showed me the I way. I love how you're always like hearkening back to a very wholesome, right. like, formative I'm TV like, show. They taught me that, you know, that that could happen to you. And so, yeah, I always think about Paige. Um, but I think 2015 really showed me how unaware men were. And I think it really sparked more conversations to hold more men accountable to just explaining, like, seeing the reaction to some of your guy friends of understanding, like, probably, like, more than half of your female friends have been sexually assaulted and then just having to kind of, like, take that in Um, and just kind of trying to break across some male egos of trying to get them to understand, like, it's not a joke. Like, it's actually kind of really scary to be a girl. So, yeah. And I think that 
we've made progress in that conversation. Like the whole men are trash thing. Like, I mean, I think I mean, it's still there, are, true. <laughs> there are more men than ever agreeing with that. There are more men than ever kind of thinking about their role in, in gender violence and, and their role, what their role can be in feminism and stuff like that. So here are the statistics, the very like sad statistics that I'm sure you've heard, but I'll run it back just so we realize how big this issue is. Right. Mm-hmm. More than one in three women and nearly one in four men have experienced sexual violence. Now, that's any type of sexual assault. But um, one in six women have been a victim of rape or attempted rape. One in 33 men have experienced rape or attempted rape. Um, And transgender people, I think 21% of college transgender, gender nonconforming people have been sexually assaulted. Um... And most of these are not ever reported, and even mm-hmm. less of them are ever um, given any type of criminal sentence or charge for what they do. Damn. So, 10 years ago, or maybe 11 now, Tarina Burke started the Me Too movement to bring awareness to how often this happens and how, um, how these experiences are never really shared or talked about. And then two years ago... Harvey Weinstein happened. Jesus. Was that two years ago? I think so. Something 2017. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Alyssa Milano piggybacked on the hashtag and said me too and talked about her experience with Harvey Weinstein. And then it just, I remember that day on social media. Like, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Like people you knew, celebrities, like you thought that you had an idea about and like you were, it changed your whole mind about people and their experiences and we're just saying me too and that's all they had to say. Yeah. Which was like. There have been some fucked up things that have happened in this decade, for sure. But that moment of kind of like we're done being quiet and the solidarity and like those two words was actually very impactful to me personally. I was like, wow, this is great. The people because I think I had been learning about it a lot. I learned about gender violence and inequality a lot in undergrad. And then I followed up again doing the domestic violence clinic. So I was like, this is fucked up. (laughs) This is crazy. Like there's so much like gender abuse and stuff like that. And no one's talking about it. So I was like, wow, this is so great. People are finally talking about it. And some people actually suffered consequences like Harvey Weinstein, Larry Nassar, Larry Nassar, um, Bill Cosby. Don't do that. I know. I, I'm not you, saying it in like a, oh, I'm so sad, but I just always grimace like, ugh, I just, it's not even it. like, oh, I love the Huxtables so much. I hold them in just such high regard or I love Bill Cosby or anything like that. It's just always like, a, oh, I just really hate it that that happened. Yeah. He's still trash, but it's like, why did you do it? I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Yeah. And that's how it's basically been. It like trash. It's been like that with every celebrity. Matt Lauer. Like, yes. That was a really rough one because I always used to have a kind of like mini crush on Matt oh, Lauer. really? Yeah. Damn. But then reading all those accounts, like he's violent and crazy. Oh my God. It's bad. That dude from um The Shy. I liked him. I thought he was going to be a great... I'm Bro, like, did you... Coming. I like him. Jason Mitchell. I just feel like people... Some people bounce back and like they can kind of continue in a way and yeah. some people are like <laughs> very few people are like their careers are annihilated and it's over like kevin spacey like that got weird real quick 
That got really His weird. was really bad. And I loved Kevin Spacey. I loved House of Cards. And I was just like, oh, fuck. This is not even... I can't even... Now we have to let you go, too. <laughs> they really kicked him off. like, And they made a whole other season without oh, him. Man. Yeah. In spite. Like, literally in spite. Yeah. And it wasn't terrible. Like, I mean, you know... Just... It's hard to wrap up a, a whole series without the main character. But yeah. they didn't do the worst job. Um... So we could talk about this honestly forever, but I'm going to ask what your most disappointing Me Too event was of the decade. Oh, Jesus. Um, Most disappointing... AJ. Oh, from AJ and Free. Yeah, that was really disappointing. And reading the accounts of just how he kind of preyed on women. And I just think a lot more men than I think are physical maybe just because i've never had like been in a relationship like that where things get really physical but just like reading some of the accounts and just their men are a lot crazier than we think because <laughs> i just feel like he just always came off so charming and yeah i'm like y'all are really out here fooling every fucking body and getting away with all this shit all yeah. the time yeah because when you look at the statistics of one in three people one in three women like and then you everybody. think about who, how many men that has to be, how many abusers, how many, that's like a lot of fucking people. It's, it's someone, you know, it's people that you never would guess would do that. Yeah. I have a different one and it's not, there are a lot that I was like, oh fuck, that's disappointing. Goddamn. Um, but the political ones were really hard for me. Like Brett Kavanaugh, the whole, oh, the hearing that and watching was it was horrible. really, really bad. And I was just like, I think I watched the whole thing at my desk in the background. Like this crazy ass man <laughs> who is just yelling and break, like clearly guilty and just like, gonna, he's going to yell his way into the Supreme Court yep. <laughs> and it's going to be fine because yep. he's a man. He can just go ahead and, and roll over whoever's in his way because he has the right. He has the privilege, whatever. And I was just like, this is so, that's, that was terrible. Another one was Roy Moore. <laughs> that was like sick. Remember that one? Roy Moore. I think he was um the governor of Alabama or something like was that. Was that the one where like And he all was like the... molesting little girls yeah. and then they were like, We're still gonna elect him <laughs> or try to. That's crazy. And I was like, Wow, so we're never gonna agree on anything. <laughs> the Republicans, I just can't do it. Like this is y'all are sickos. But yeah. Um The good things about me too are that it's really raised raised awareness about all these statistics and issues. And although there is relentless pushback and the way that people say, you know, you're going to get me too to really like just grinds my gears, grinds my gears um, at least it's a saying, at least it's a thing that can happen, at least that we're talking about it yeah. in workplaces more and we're talking about it. Like, I prefer that you'd be afraid to be in a room alone with me. Um, then feel so emboldened to do whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. I think there are some statistics that I can't really get into now that people are less likely to hire women for certain roles that they may have to work in close quarters with for that reason. But fuck that shit. We got to move on. Yes. Here, here. <laughs> What's next? Another huge topic of conversation in the past decade has been immigration. Oh, man. Into the United States. <laughs> um... So, since 2010, the trends of immigration have changed drastically. In 2010, uh, the highest group of um, 
country of immigrants was Mexico. But now it's actually Asia. Well, not country, but continent. And I think the oh, wow. country is India. Which is, makes sense. Yeah, because I think there are more Mexicans now leaving the United States than coming in. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. Um, which you would not know if you just watch the news. <laughs> And, or especially Fox News, and how they talk about immigration and caravans and demonizing uh, brown people immigrating, especially from Mexico and South America. The populations from South America are still pretty high. A lot of asylum cases and immigration from um, from there still. But Mexico has steadily, has steadily declined since 2010. Just to compare the two presidents we've had in this decade, so Obama... He did deport more people than Trump, but um, as of now, Trump's only been in office for um, coming up on four years. Oh, uh, so damn. like Obama's numbers are like over the course of eight years. Yeah, and I think percentage-wise as well, um, but I actually, that's not here. It just says less, so I have to look up the percentage because you would think that people would do it by percentage, right? Yeah. By year, like the amount, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, Obama did deport less people than Bush and Bush less people than Clinton. Um, and it was decreasing over time. Um, but now Trump is deporting a different type of people, which is kind of the distinction a lot of people point out in what I've been reading, is that he has been deporting people who live here for 20 years and have families and like who have deep roots in America. Um, and Obama and other presidents kind of focused on uh, deporting people who had been there for a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, and or people who had committed violent crimes, like actual violent crimes, not just a crime. Out, out of nowhere. <laughs> right. They could be uh, deported for. So, I don't know. I feel like the conversation doesn't really talk about the facts a lot, you know? Building yeah. a wall and all that. And then um, the human rights abuses that are happening at the border as well um and the support behind that like i think someone just recently i think a kid 15 years old or something just died of the flu yeah in one of the border um control jails (laughs) they're jails basically um so yeah it's been a lot of rhetoric that's allowed for people especially hispanic brown hispanic people crossing the border to be treated like lesser and be you know not even people coming from the border just hispanic people that are brown anywhere being persecuted as if they're illegal immigrants being yelled at in walmarts and arrested and like getting ice called on them regardless of where they came from getting locked up even though they can show their birth certificates and have proof of citizenship dreamers who've been born here being deported or trying to deport i don't think they've gotten that far yet because that was they tried though that's all that matters is they tried yeah um so they said, I think by 2065, the largest immigrant population will be from Asia. Mm. Um, but that's not even really part of the conversation at all. Yeah. Um, I feel like everybody's trying to get to America. Even just watching 90 Day Fiance, it's just so upsetting to watch how us as Americans act about living in America and being skeptical of people just wanting to come here. I just think... It's just a very ugly side. Yeah, I thought this was actually an interesting statistic I read. Um, The U.S. foreign-born population reached a record of 44.4 million in 2017. Um, 
Immigrants today account for 13.6 of the U.S. population, nearly triple it was in 1970 because an act was passed in 1970 that allowed that allowed people. I forgot what it was called. There are a lot more people to get citizenship through um, a naturalization process. Mm-hmm. Um, however, today's immigrant population still remains below the record 14.8 share that it was in 1890 when all them white motherfuckers came over here <laughs> and got their naturalization. They were all immigrants too, so fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Any more questions about immigration? Mm, no. And fuck Trump and all that. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, one big thing that happened also is gun regulation or the lack or the thereof. thereof. <laughs> 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 Mic drop. Um, so we started off 2010, the top of the decade, with a federal law signed by President Barack Obama that took effect allowing licensed gun owners to bring firearms into national parks and wildlife refuges as long as they are allowed by state law. I thought that was really weird, but all of the, like, really extensive gun timeline sites, like, are, like, 2010, Obama did this. I don't know what the, but I feel like every, you know. um, Probably the House and Senate. Yeah. Like, every, you know, law has a story. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, I feel like this decade was rifled with lots of mass shootings. Um, And so kind of trying to fit that into what happened with all of the laws kind of made it weird but in 2015 something good happened you have to have a background check for guns sold over the internet or at gun shows that's good in 2015 i was like that's we little, weren't doing that before like, sandy we had to happen in, in 2012 but okay we weren't doing that at all before 20 um 2015 was also the year that you had to like guns had to have enough metal in them to be detected by security screening machines i'm like we just never had any of this protected ever we were just flying on planes with no type of i'm like how is that not a regulation before what were these what y'all had guns on planes um 2016 like right after uh the orlando flirting nightclub shooting uh president obama calls on congress to enact or renew a law prohibiting the sale and possession of assault style weapons in high capacity ammunition magazines (sighs) jesus i feel like there's just so many mass shootings now that we just forget there's been so many. Honestly, it's like... It's a lot. It's another one of those things. It's like, oh, okay, another mass shooting. <laughs> like, in at the beginning of this decade, it was a huge... Like, Columbine was probably the only thing that I could name off the top of my head that was, like, a crazy mass shooting to me. Yep. And Degrassi and One Tree Hill mass shootings? Yes. And Degrassi and One Tree Hill that stick out of my mind. Um, <laughs> and, <Yeah>. then, <laughs> and then it was, like, everywhere. Movie theaters... Like yeah. schools, I'm still scared um, to go see the movies. Like, I still, still really go scared. to the movies and check my exit route. Yeah, I'm like a drop. <laughs> That's gonna drop. <laughs> I'm doing like little like, mud, like drills. Yeah, <laughs> and it's been it's been wild. It's been scary. Um, so a lot of the gun laws, of course, have stuff on mass shooting statistics. Um, but basically, the big trend is that U.S. states with weaker gun laws and higher gun ownership have higher rates of mass shootings, which makes sense. Because if more Hello. people can have guns, then, of course, and your laws are weaker, then they can do whatever they want. Um, but essentially, mass shootings are always done 
by someone who was legally prohibited from possessing a firearm, perpetrated by someone who displayed prior warning signs, intermingled with acts of domestic violence, lots of domestic violence, like, cases are rooted in mass shootings. 54% of mass shootings between the decade was basically done by a current or former intimate partner or family member during a mass rampage. Wow. That's a huge percent. <laughs> 54% are because like domestic a nigga stuff. got mad. That just sticks out to me about like that shooting in the UIC hospital. There was a black woman. And I literally already forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. But that just happened like last year, not even, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. So, I mean, we are still um, trying to fight the fight for gun laws, but I think at this rate, we all just have to protect ourselves. Yeah, I feel like every person that I know is halfway in between like, getting, getting a gun, a gun yeah. and also just terrified of guns. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, at this point, they all have guns. <laughs> right. I'm like, so, but I, I was like, I can't protect myself. <laughs> if it really comes down to it, I can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, my. Remember, I was telling you about my. um. My auntie's boy, uh, boyfriend or something, whatever. He, like, came to my house from Alabama, and he brought a gun. And he, like, got it. He, like, to, like, go to the um, police department and, like, check with them, make sure it was good. He has, like, a bunker and, like, a hundred guns and all. He does, like, gun videos on YouTube. Gun videos <laughs> on YouTube. And he's like, I'm ready. If anything happens, I'm ready. I'm like, you know, you're crazy as fuck, but you kind of have a point. Like, yeah. maybe I should learn how to at least shoot a gun, like... But I have always been terrified. Just, I think the suicide rate has always has also gone up. I looked that up when I was looking at healthcare stuff, and it's most of them are from guns. So it's just like having a gun in the house. Just it's like it. you're you're gonna want to use it for something. I just always think of <laughs> someone's that, gonna want to use it. I just always think of that nine hundred two one zero episode no, where thanks. the little boy shot himself. Yes, on accident. I actually saw that. Really? Yes, I did. It was traumatic. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I never want to have a gun in my home now because you never know what little boys be going through you know or even just getting bullied and that rate and having a gun in the house that's three lifetime movies already that's several yes that's several lifetime movies and it's it's just a risk that i'm like mm, i don't know if i'm willing to take but we do have to protect ourselves i do one of my goals in 2020 is to get into a self-defense class because i really want to be able to protect myself especially with all this like sex trafficking stuff and girls I just know. getting picked up that was one of the things I wanted to talk about here was like the increase in in like the normalization of sex work, but also the increase in sex trafficking and like yeah. how that's like been paralleled. But I mean, there's so many things to talk about. We should host one, a self defense class. I would love that. I don't know. And then any you get like pepper spray and mace keychain stuff. That's another thing. I'm like, who are these companies making all these cute ass self defense like? Stuff. four finger rings and sprays <laughs> like that are glitter <laughs> i'm like, like i want a little kit like a powerpuff girl like these are your these are your well, gadgets i hate capitalism but i actually do want one of them pepper sprays with the glitter yeah bedazzled yeah <laughs> like <psst. laughs> stranger danger like katie, yeah like, katie with the pepper spray <laughs> yeah yeah. No. yeah and that's all that's all i had on gun stuff did you have questions on gun stuff? No, I have to do more research on like how the gun um, like income for NRA for the NRA and also gun companies has changed, but I'm sure it hasn't changed very much. I feel like people are still buying a lot of guns. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk healthcare since 2010. 
Uh, so the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, uh, was signed into law in 2011. Uh, and it was like a big platform, if you remember, for, Obama, for Obama's campaign was overhauling the healthcare system because yes. it was generally fucked up and people are like paying to live. Yes. So part of the Affordable Care Act, as most of you know, was the individual mandate. And um, so years later, in 2012, actually a year later, sorry, the Supreme Court upheld the individual mandate, which is like it, it taxes you or fines you if you don't have health care. So that way everyone's insured and people are not going to the emergency room on the dime of taxpayers. Yeah. Um, so ever since this idea was brought up, Republicans had been trying with everything they had to repeal it, take it down, get the courts to call it unconstitutional. Like, if you read it in a linear fashion, the timeline, it's like desperately. I think they tried, <laughs> they tried 60... In 2015, the House of Representatives added its 67th repeal to vote. Damn. So they just kept voting to repeal it, like, over and over again. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, nope, we're back. What Obama was fighting to implement this was crazy. Like, at first, I don't think he even did the individual mandate like he made an executive order not to have it for a little while or for it not to go into effect for a little while until everyone could kind of get their bearings about it um but even then they were like they were not going with any version of it so they um eventually get trump elected right and do you remember kind of those videos about people talking about how they didn't know the difference between the affordable care act and obamacare no, but what's the difference between the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare? There is no difference. They were just uh -oh. like, I don't like that Obamacare, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, so do you know what the Affordable Care Act is? And they were like, no, what is that? Tell me more. <laughs> they were like, it does this, it does that, it does that. They were like, oh, okay, that's kind of nice. Like, I like that. So, like, people, conservative people who had been getting a message about Obamacare being this, like, you know, it's associated one with Obama. We yeah. hate Obama. He's the devil. And we hate it because y'all hate it and group think, uh, finally started to know what it was. So when Trump was elected and they were like, okay, finally, we've tried a billion times. Now we can finally repeal this thing. Everybody was like, okay, so actually I have like high blood pressure. I have cancer. I have this, I have that. And if you repeal this, then I won't be able to get health insurance. Like, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> like, so there was pushback and it's still in place technically, um, but there have been some things done to kind of knock it down, knock it down in different ways. So I think Trump made an executive order in 2016 that, and it was very vague, something about they'll do things to help states ease the transition from Affordable Care Act to whatever Republican thing they end up doing. So they kind <laughs> of whatever Republican thing they end up doing. Right. So, so they, they got rid of the individual mandate, which finds people. And they also kind of a they turn a blind eye to insurance companies doing shady shit, basically. Mm. Um, and they do things to kind of limit the access to... Oh, the, Ob the Obamacare website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so things that came with the Affordable Care Act, just for the to review, um, that meant that children on their... Or people that had uh, children that their employers care took care of their health care, their kids could have health care until they were 26. Mm. I didn't know wow. that wasn't a thing before the Affordable Care Act. Me yeah. neither. I'm like, wait, we weren't just going to be on there? Yeah, I think that some employers did it anyway, but it made it a law. Wow. The ACA also required a nutrition labeling. 
for like chain restaurants so you know how like you go to mcdonald's and it says like it's like you know a thousand calories for like a burger and you're like fuck it i'll eat it anyway yeah the affordable care act did that <laughs> it also required that insurance companies cover people with pre-existing conditions like high blood pressure or diabetes or like anything that all y'all aunties and uncles have and hopefully we won't have because we're gonna eat better and <laughs> do better salad Poor salad. I vegetables. Every time I talk to my dad, I'm like, did you have your vegetables today? <laughs> my dad got mad at me. This is a real story. For, <laughs> for putting too much carrots in the veg- in the breakfast omelet. He's like, why, what, what do you need those carrots for? Like, what do you need why so many carrots? carrots? <laughs> Put the carrots down. I was like, this is ridiculous. You guys are really brainwashed. Um... There was also a cap on expensive treatments, so like you'd have like a million dollar cap or like a five hundred thousand dollar cap, and then once that money ran out, you were like on your own for cancer treatments or whatever. Dang. Can't do that under the ACA. So you can see why there was like a whole bunch of pushback from insurance companies and like healthcare companies and the government who didn't want to pay for all of that and it could have gone to something else that they don't you know, that they'd rather pay for. Um, but we're still glad that we have it. Uh for now. For now. Uh, it expanded Medicaid as well, so more poor people could get Medicaid. I think if it's repealed, then like 50 billion people? Jesus. <laughs> 50 oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, that's way too much. No. 50 billion is the number that we'd have to pay for with tax dollars for people that are uninsured if it was repealed right now. I don't have that other step, but it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of people. So in 2010, there were 16.3% of the population was uninsured. Um, and now it's 13.7%. But in 2016, it was 10.9%. So it's gone back up over time. And yeah, that's healthcare at a glance, man. Uh, if you want, there's, you have some stats about the opioid crisis too. A few things you want to say generally. Um, the opioid crisis started in the mid 90s and... I think now they declared it a, a national emergency, and now we get to see those commercials where they're like, opioids, it's a problem. Or like, you just got in an accident, and then they prescribe you something, and now you're addicted to opioids. It just feels like a very slippery slope. Yeah. Um, but between 1999 and 2014, drug overdose deaths nearly tripled, and so I guess they have a point. And so it's just... <laughs> So in 2016, more than 60,000 people died from drug overdoses, and opioids were responsible for most of those deaths. And for the first time since 1999, life expectancy decreased for U.S. citizens due to the opioid crisis. Yeah, yeah. Like, all of our, um, if you look at, like, the quality of life statistics they compare countries with, like, you know, wage gap and, like, (laughs) mortality rate and shit like that, (laughs) we're definitely uh, declining steadily there. Yeah. But, yeah. So be careful, and, you know, addiction runs in most of our families already, so don't get stuck on the pills. I know a lot of people who are like, I don't, I'm not going to take the the Vicodin, or I'm not going to take the whatever, I'll just take the... And they're brave people. I'm still probably going to take the painkiller. But uh, they have less pain, like, like more reasonable painkillers that, like, I think that I'll probably try that first, and if it doesn't yeah. work, then I'll take the stronger stuff, because I'm, you know, I don't want to hurt at all yeah (laughs) but like it is serious and these drug companies are making hella bank on people's addictions so they're the new kingpins and um pablo escobars and shit so stay woke (laughs) (laughs) okay that's all i have for um 
America the Dumpster Fire of the Decade. What I call Yay, it? Whatever. Decade of Dumpster <laughs> Fires. Yes, it's been... Decade of Dumpster <laughs> Fires. Wow. Yep, that sounds about right. I feel like I learned so much just about how much has changed. And I'm excited for 2020 because I feel like, you know, if we just legalize marijuana and pretend make, like none of this is happening and same-sex marriage you know think about how far we can come in 2020 yeah it's nice to look at the changes that have yeah, happened because things have changed it's true <laughs> things can change changes turn the face of it changes Time can't change me, but I can't change time. I felt all right. And um, follow us and all that jazz. Yep. So you can find us on Instagram at 168podcast and on Twitter at 168pod, all spelled out. So O N E S I X E I G H T P O D. And if you're on Instagram, C A S T. Wow, the spelling too. Bam! If you don't know, now you know. know. <laughs> <laughs> We're so lame. <laughs>